Welcome to the Wellspring Community Church Podcast, where we exist to help real people find real hope in a real world. We hope today's message encourages you. Let's get into today's episode. Next weekend is Serve Weekend, and Serve Weekend, so you know, is a mandate. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's not if you have a time to do it, or if you have a moment, or if it fits in the soccer schedule, or the vacation schedule. Like, it's, 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 it's what we do. It's it's who we are. It's, 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 it's on mission with Jesus. Now, the Bible tells us this, that the greatest thing that we can do is follow what is called the Great Commission. Say commission. Say it, everybody. Come on, Great Commission. Say commission. Commission. It's the Great Commission. And if you break that word down, commission, it's the Great Co-mission. So we are co-partnering In this mission, we are co-parenting, we are co-laboring for this mission with the goat, Jesus. So we partner with the goat, Jesus. If you don't know the goat, it's the greatest of all time. It's the Michael Jordan, the Wayne Gretzky. He's the greatest. Nobody compares to Jesus. So we are co-partnering with Jesus to fulfill what he's called us to do, which is the great co-mission. Now, the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, gives us the first four books are the same story from different authors. So they're sharing the story of the life of Jesus, but from four different perspectives. And what I find fascinating is all four of them say that the most important thing you can do is to co-partner and do the co-mission with the goat. See, Matthew 28, can I show this to you? Matthew 28 says this. Matthew 28 says, therefore, if it's in red, uh, yellow, I want you to read it. Therefore what? Therefore, therefore what? Therefore what? What are we to do? What's it say? It says what? Yeah, go. Therefore, go. Not therefore sit. Not therefore come. Not, not therefore, pre- go. Go. Go, not therefore attend, therefore go. The church isn't a a coming gathering, it's a going gathering. This is not a country club, this is a hospital. So there are gonna be people sitting next to you that don't look like you, smell like you, or act like you, and you need to know that this isn't a membership that you join, this is a partnership where we're partnering with the kingdom of God, okay? Need you to know that. Good, 17 people are with me. I promise you, I'll get the rest of you with me. I promise. Therefore what? Therefore, yeah, go, go, like go. It's not a recommendation, not a suggestion. It's not if you have time, if soccer doesn't get in the way, if you have a birthday party, no, go. Like go. Make disciples, even the seven-year-old gets it. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you, and be sure of this. Here's what Jesus is saying to us. Be sure that as you what? As you go, I'm gonna be with you. Every step of the way. In all of your going, you've got a co-partner in the co-mission. Okay, that's, that's Matthew. And then you get the next book is Mark. Here's what Mark says. Here's what he says. And then he told them to what? To go. go. 
Go into all the world and to preach the good news to the Republican, to the Democrat, to the white person, to the black person, to the Chinese person, to the poor person, to the rich person, to the skinny person, to the overweight person, to the every person, to the American person, to the Hindu, to the Muslim, to everyone. Everyone. Here's what it says. At the foot of the cross, the gospel is for who? Everyone. To go. To go. To go. Like, go. Matthew. Mark. And then you get to what? The gospel of Luke. And here's what Luke says. He says, it was also written that this message must go out. It's got to be proclaimed. It's got to be given. And know that you're going to be underneath Jehovah Nissi, the banner of life, Jesus Christ, so you're not commissioning by yourself. You're co-partnering in this commission with Jesus because you're under his authority. And the Bible says to go to all the nations. I'm going to say something that's going to offend somebody, and it's okay, because I am going to offend everybody in this message. Some of you are more American than you are Christian. You hold out your red, white, and blue, but you'll never tell a person about their blood that's gonna perish in all of eternity. But by golly, we got our red, white, and blue outside. Here's what the Bible says. I knew I wouldn't get any amens on that. That's okay, because I'm in the South. I get it. And I am proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. But I'm gonna tell you right now that I don't store up treasures on this side. I got an other side. It's a king. I'm not a citizen of the earth. I'm a citizen of the other side. It's the other kingdom. It's the other place. And so all I do, well, I think, I think, I think we are way too concerned with the 70 plus years. We still, we worry about our 401k. I think you're way more worried about what's in your retirement than your father dying and going to hell. Or your neighbor. You're way more, you're, listen, you're way more concerned with their lifestyle than their soul. Have I, have I offended everybody yet? How have I not offended? Because I want to make sure I get to you before the end of this message. Okay, I'll get to everybody. Like, we're under the name of Jesus. Can I just tell you what Jesus said? Jesus said, I am no respecter of persons. I don't care what's in your bank account, and I don't care the color of your skin. I care about your soul that he's going to spend in one point. Hot, cold, up, down, good, bad, with, without. That's what he says he cares about. I got to keep going because I haven't even started the sermon that's Matthew, Mark, Luke. What's the next book? John. John. Yeah, John, of course. What's John have to say about this? Here's what John says. John chapter 20. As the Father sent me Jesus, so I need you to go. Stop calling the church a place that you go. go. Start calling it a movement that you're a part of. You don't go to the church. You are the church. It's not the gathering place. It's the sending place. We don't come here to just sit. This is almost like halftime. Actually, I like it better this way. This is almost like the pregame speech. I don't know if you grew up as an athlete. I'm an athlete. I grew up as an athlete. So I remember you go out, you do warm-ups. So I was playing on basketball. We did warm-ups. We did our layup lines. We did free throws. We did all things. And then you'd see the time. You ran back in the locker room, and the coach would do his final prep. He said, guys, listen. 
the team we're getting ready to play, and listen, this is the situation, this is what's going on, but are you in? And you're, you're leaning forward, like I'm all in. Let's go, let's go, let's go. All the hands in, ready? One, two, three, let's go. And you run out the tunnel and you defeat the enemy. That's what we're doing today. That's what we're doing. Well, give me more Greek and Hebrew. No, you can't even do this. You can't do this. And if you can't do this, then it doesn't matter how much Hebrew and Greek you know. Now that's John. What's the next book? Yeah, but here's the problem with Acts. Acts isn't a gospel. Acts is a book about the first church. Sorry, you're in the spit zone. It's the first church. I saw it shoot like a, it's the first church. It's the first church. So here's what, here's what the Bible says about the first church. Acts chapter one, you know it. it says this, Acts one, verse eight. But you, you, say me. You will receive power. There's that Holy Spirit thing we're gonna talk about in a couple months. Comes upon you and you will be my going captains. Right? You're gonna go. You're in charge. You're gonna go and you're gonna deliver the word. You're my witnesses. You're my goers. You're my senders. You're, you're going. You're gonna tell people everywhere, both in South Shore, you're gonna do it in your Tampa area, you're gonna do it in the state of Florida, and then you're gonna to go to the 1040 window to people who've never even heard of the name of Jesus. <clears throat> if I could rename our church, I'd rename our church to the Great Commission Church. time for us to listen and to obey and to do and to actually submit to the Great Commission. Church isn't just a gathering place, it's a going group. Here's the problem, and this is kind of the big bedrock thought that I wanna to give to you today, and this is the problem with all of this, and that is this, that we cannot reach what we don't see. Is that, is that, not, is that not common sense? You can't go reach the people that you cannot see. And for many of us, and listen, this, we're a real church, so you gotta be honest. And I'll be honest with you, I've been a part of what I'm about ready to say for many, many years. But the reason why many of you don't see is not because you don't wanna see, you've chosen not to see. Can I tell you why? The reason why you've chosen not to see because you know if you see, it's gonna mess you up. Because if you go to the port of Tampa and you realize that Tampa's number two for sex trafficking, and if you show up there on a Friday night, a Saturday morning, and you see the boats coming in, you see girls, and you see, when you see it all, when you see it with your own eyes, it's gonna mess you up. And then it's gonna cause you to change what you do on Monday nights at eight o'clock. Because the bachelor don't matter at that moment, those girls that are getting off the boat matter. Are you following me? So, so here's what we've done, we've just chosen not to see. Because if we don't see, then we don't have to do anything. If we don't see, then somebody else will do with it. If we, if we don't see, then, then say it this way. If we don't see, then it's not my problem. It's their problem. It's not, it's not, it's not my thing, it's their thing. Like, I just move on, my, I got my own thing. I got my own family, I got my own thing, I got my own thing. I got this thing, and here's what we said. This is comfortable. I'll just stay right here. This is comfortable, this is normal, this is natural, this feels good. I can calculate this. 
I can measure this. People say all the time, how many people, like we, we can tell you exactly how many people come to our church today. But you go to other parts of the world and you say, how big's your church? They have no idea. They don't know. Yonke Cho acts as the largest church in the entire, 1.3 million people go to his church. But we say that, but he really has no idea. No idea. It's so large, it's so big. We cannot reach what we do not see. And for some of you, you're so scared to see. So our church, our church, our, our church, Wellspring, our church, um, when we created it about seven, eight, seven and a half, eight years ago, we, everybody okay? Everybody good? Good? All right, feel good. Y'all dialed in? Everybody good? Everybody with me? Okay, so seven and a half years ago when we, when we decided to do this Wellspring thing, um, and I'll, I'll give you the story later. Some of you know it, but God dropped a, a story in our hearts, and it's the story in John chapter four. It's, it's the woman at the well. Now, everybody know that story? Yeah, it's pretty good. Who wants to preach it for me? You want to come up here and preach it with me? No, but what's really cool about the story is it's really verse 12, 13, 14 is really kind of 11, 12, 13, 14 is kind of the, 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 the story. But so let me set up this way to you. Let me, let me just describe it to you and then I'll read a few verses. So Jesus and the disciples, they've been, they've been ministering for days, days upon days. I mean, at this point, uh, he's turned the water into wine. It's the Nicodemus deal. I mean, it, John is, John's a, John's a, John's an epic book. Like, it's just, it's just good. I mean, it's just manna after manna in the gospel of John. So you get to John chapter four, and he, Jesus is tired, because here's what the Bible says. He was 100% man and 100% God. He dealt with the same things that you dealt with. He had all the temptations that you had. He was 100% man, 100% human, and Jesus was slap tired. Now, I think this is a divine setup because what happens is the 12 disciples, they're all together at this time, and they go into town. They go to Circle K, and they're gonna get some Doritos and Mountain Dew. So they're going into town. And, and Jesus says to them, hey, guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay right here. Now, I think Jesus knew exactly what was gonna happen, but the disciples are clueless, and they're, seriously, they're, they're a couple of idiots. They just really are. And so Jesus stays there, and Jesus sees this woman. It's a Samaritan woman. And Jesus sees the Samaritan woman and disciples are gone. And Jesus pushes through two major barriers. The first barrier he pushes through is the racial barrier. Because Jewish people don't talk to Samaritans and Samaritans don't talk to Jews. Jews, And so Jesus pushes through that. But the other barrier that Jesus pushes through is the gender barrier. It's this, it's this idea that Jesus was very aware that that was a woman. Can I just leave that one right there? He was very aware. There was no confusion. Jesus looked across the room and Jesus knew that was a woman. He knew. So Jesus crushes through the gender barrier and he crushes through the racial barrier and he comes to this woman and he says, hey, sweetheart, I would love some water. And she says, you're not supposed to talk to me. He says, why? Well, I'm this, you're this. And there's this dialogue. And then, Finally, Jesus asked this question. Jesus says, and I love it. It's a little bit, yeah, it's interesting. He goes, where's your husband? Well, I ain't got one of those. And he says to her, oh, I know. 
You've had five of them. And the dude you're shacking up with isn't your husband. Now, shacking up's not in the Bible. You're not going to find it. But it pretty much says something like that. You shack it up. So here's what I want you to know at the very beginning. Jesus is not TV preacher Jesus. He's grace and truth. He's going to straight up give you all the truth, and he's going to, I mean, grace, and he's going to give you the truth that makes your head spin backwards like, oh, my gosh, are you allowed to say that? Like, I read that verse, and I'm like, Jesus, I think that was a little... That was maybe below the belt, Jesus. I'm not sure. Can you do that? But Jesus was partnering grace and truth together. So he tells her, like, hey, if you, if you, if you knew who I was, you'd ask to drink from me because if you drink from this well, he's speaking himself, you'll, you'll never thirst anymore. Like, you know the story, okay? But here's what I want to get to. Why do drugs when you can do the Bible? This is so fascinating what's about ready to happen. Because at this point, she's jacked up. Like, oh my gosh, this, could this be Jesus? I think this is the Messiah. This is Jesus. And she couldn't, I don't know. And nobody's around. And so finally she's like, um, I gotta go into town. I gotta tell everybody about, about this. And at this moment, if it was a movie, at this moment, she's leaving and the disciples are coming. Now, this is crazy. The disciples just left Circle K. It took a little longer. The debit card didn't, she didn't work. They were out of Mountain Dew and they didn't ask Jesus what he wanted. So they got Mountain Dew and Coke and sweet tea and everything. They're like, I don't know what you want, Jesus. And so they get it all. So they get there and this is what it says. Have you seen this before? This is what it says. Just then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with the woman. Now you've seen that before. Here's what I didn't see. I've never in my life seen this. The Bible says this, but no one asked, no one asked this, like no one, no one asked this. What do you want, Jesus, and why are you talking to her? No one asked it. No one, no one asked. No one asked, who, why are you talking to this woman, and do you want Coke Mountain Dew? Machine didn't work, we got all the Doritos, we got tortillas, we got it all. We don't know what you want. Like you, Tostitos, that's what I meant to say. Whatever you want, we got it all. No one asked that. Now this would be like, this would be like me looking at April and saying, babe, let me tell you about my day yesterday. I got up, I, 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 went, I went to the gym, I worked out, I played golf, I took Liam outside, we threw the football, I didn't go to Popeyes. And then I, when I got home, I watched a little bit of golf, I watched TV, and you'd end the story and go, Why'd you have to tell me you didn't go to Popeyes? Like that, you, you, when you're telling a story, you never tell what you didn't do, you, you just tell what you did. Like, how'd that get in there? Like, how did John put that in there? And why did the, why did the Holy Spirit through inspiration from God, why did that get allowed to get in the canon of scripture? Not what happened, but what didn't happen. Now the Bible doesn't tell us, and so I'm using just my interpretation as I read this. I'm convinced the reason why this didn't happen is because after it had already happened, they knew that was a question they should have asked. They had the rabbi right in front of them who was knower of all, who's the teacher, who was everything, and he could have told them exactly the answer to these questions. So they sat there scratching their head like, but it didn't leave their head. Doesn't it say that? No one asked. That's fascinating to me. And then it gets even weirder. Is this okay? Can you tell I like the Bible? Verse 28. Listen to this. Verse 28. Then, see, simultaneous is happening. 
The woman went back into town. Now, when the Bible says town, that's not like going to Brandon or Sarasota. It's another village. And we know that because she literally comes right back. She's just going around the corner. And she said to the people, oh, my goodness, you have got to meet this guy. I mean, he knew things about me that I didn't know about myself. He, oh, you go, I mean, he knew. He knew about this guy, Pete, that I was hanging out with. He knew. I don't know how he knew it. He knew it all. And then everybody, hold on, who are you with? Who who was it? Where was he? What well? Where's he at? And finally, the Bible says that the whole town is hearing this woman talk about the Messiah, Jesus. So you got to come and see this man. He told me everything I did. Like, he's the answer. And then she says, could this be the Messiah? So they came out, the whole town, the whole town, everybody, the other village. They came out and they made their way towards him. Now I got you, I got to get you in this story. And then let me land the plane, okay? So the whole town, I mean, just picture, be like us. It'd be like this whole group, if you're watching online, this church of a couple hundred people, we're all, we're all, and I say, hey guys, you'll never guess it, Jesus He's at the New Mexican restaurant where Sonny's used to be. Like I, I just left, he was there five minutes ago. And I said, guys, he, the things he was saying, like it's really Jesus. How many know, every, you'd leave my sermon to go see Jesus, would you not? And I said, stand up, we're all going. It's like that. And we marched out and we, we marched in there, we drove and we came in. I mean, the, everybody would have seen, seen this. So the whole town is going to where Jesus, and now he's with the disciples, and it's just those 13. But the whole town's there now. It says this. Meanwhile, listen to this. Meanwhile, while the entire crowd is coming, the disciples ask the dumbest question ever. Rabbi, don't you want some of my Doritos? I got this Mountain Dew for you. Want the Coke? Hey, let's go to Cracker Barrel. I mean, the whole town's coming. And they're worried about giving Jesus Doritos. And then it goes on. And he says very nicely, praise God for the niceness of Jesus. But he said to them, guys, you don't get it. You know, uh, but he said to them, I have food that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, somebody fed him while we were gone. Somebody gave him some food. Who gave him some food? Did somebody, so, somebody went to the other circle K that's a little bit closer and it was buy two, get one free. Somebody already fed, who, who fed Jesus? Which, who showed up while we were gone? They didn't get it. They were as confused as confused could be. Did somebody brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of God who sent me to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? He's looking at him. Don't you have a saying? Four months until harvest, here's what he's saying. There's some things that we can do later, like Doritos and Mountain Dew. But right now, do you not see the couple hundred people that are coming over? I'll eat off of that for generations to come. I tell you, and this is the title of the message. I'm almost to my sermon. I'm just kidding. I'm sort of in it. Here's what he says. Some of you laughed and you were like, no, I don't know if that was serious. Like, what's going on? 
You thought, first time I said it, you thought it was funny, and now you're like, we're halfway done. Are you really serious? He said this, this is the title of the message. I tell you, open your eyes. That's the title of the message. Can I just tell somebody today, open your eyes. You're talking about Doritos and Mountain Dew when there are 300 people coming to town that read spiritual nourishment that won't just fill their bellies for a lunch meeting. It'll actually fill their hearts for all of eternity. I need you to know something. Jesus said you can eat of something that's greater than what is right in front of you. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the field. They are what? Ripe unto harvest. While you're worried about your bellies, Jesus is worried about towns. While you're worried about your 401k, Jesus is reminding you he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. While you're worried about your this and your that, he's worried about your neighbor who's dying and going to hell. That's what he's worried about. And you're worried about things that don't matter a hill of beans when it comes to all of eternity. Let me illustrate this way. I'll never forget when I was in sixth grade I didn't know exactly what it was. My mom had to help me. She was in the first service. I couldn't remember exactly what grade, but I was in sixth grade um, when I went to the eye doctor for the first time. Anybody remember going to the eye doctor for the first time? Come on, remember that? Is it not the creepiest thing ever? Because they don't set you up for it. What do they say? They sit in this chair, put your chin on this thing. Put your forehead to the bar. And you're just sitting there like, I don't know, I'm gonna win this though. Whatever I gotta do, I don't know what I'm doing. And then they say, take your hands and hold on. And you're like, dear God, what is about to happen? And then when I was, puff, right there. And you wanna back off and slug the person who just, you're, what's up, bro? Don't you blow in my eye ever again? And then stupid us, he or she says, all right, just come back, do it again. Like, and you stick your forehead, like, like we're idiots. Open our, and then puff goes in the other eye. Come on, how many of you just want to admit that you're a moron like me? That's me right there, right? But you're sitting at the eye doctor and it's crazy, but I'll never forget in sixth grade. After they did all the thing and they're like, you know, it's like see, A or B, A or B, A or B, it's A or B, A or B, one or two, one or two. I'm like, bro, can you slow down just a little bit? Because if I'm being honest with you, they look sort of the same right now. And now I'm not sure if I like one better than two or A better than B. I don't, can we, is there, can I write this down? Give me a piece of paper, let me tell you. Like that's how, I'm, I'm literally, I need to take anxiety medicine before I go to the eye doctor. Like it stresses me out. I don't know if I'm doing good or doing bad. I get in my car and I grab my steering wheel and wipe my forehead and go, dear God, did I do well at that? I don't know. I don't know. Then I'll never forget when the doctor came back in. The doctor looked at me and he said, Joey, good news. We're gonna fix your eye. You can't see the board. We're gonna fix it. The bad news is, he said, you're nearsighted. And I go, no, 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 doc. No, 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 I, I see everything near. No, no, I must be that long-sighted or far-sighted. I'm out. And he goes, you're nearsighted. I go, no, no, doc, I don't know what the test said, but I, I can see everything near. I mean, how many know that would be like going to the doctor with a broken foot and you walk in, doctor's like, you're like, this foot right here, see it's swollen and bruised, and he goes, all he says is, leg works. I mean, I mean, arm works, good to go, arm works. And you're like, no, no, my leg. And he, all, he, all he says is to you, Arm works, your arm works, good job, your arm. Like what medical diagnosis actually says, names the bad thing after the thing that actually is good? Like you're like, make, are you hearing me? Makes no sense, no sense. But in that moment I realized, and as the years have passed, what I've realized is this, the church is nearsighted. 
I can see, without my context, I can see the, the hairs on my hand. I could see a freckle on a frog without my, eyes, my contacts if it was like this. But I couldn't see you. And here's what I've realized the church, and then I'm gonna land the plane. Here's what I've realized with the church. We are nearsighted. We are only concerned with what's right in front of us. And we are convinced if we can't see what's far out, then we don't have to worry about what's far out. And I'm here to tell you, and this is gonna be dramatic, but I'm here to tell you, you and I are gonna give, gonna give an account for the far out, not just, not just the nearness. So let me ask you this about your prayer life. Here's a thought. Here's how you know if you're nearsighted. Here's how you know. If God answered all of your prayers, would it change the world or would it change just your world? Be honest with you, it would change my marriage, it would change my kids. Would, you, would it change India? Would it change Pakistan? Would it change Washington, D.C.? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. And here's what the Lord is con convincing me and convicting me of. Our prayer life has to move beyond us into the far out. You, listen to me, if I've not offended anybody here, this is all, everybody will be offended now. I am diagnosing you as spiritually nearsighted. Spiritually nearsighted. Well, I don't like that. Here's the way to fix it. Let me give you three thoughts in closing. Number one is this, I'm gonna move through this quickly is you first, you've gotta open up your eyes to where they are. Whoever they are, you gotta open up your eyes. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Where are those people? Where are the people that need? It's not just India and Pakistan. It could be the person across the street. Do you know, let me ask you a question. Don't answer me. Do you know the names of your neighbor on your left and the neighbor on your right? Do you know the, neighbor, do you know the name of your neighbor across the street? Do, do, you, do you know them? Now, some of you could say yes but probably a lot of us can't. And here's what I would say to you, how in the world can you come to church and serve on a Wednesday night in student ministry? You can greet at the front door and welcome hundreds of people that you don't know, but you can't walk across the street with a couple of baked cookies and say, my name is Joey, what's your name, and how can I pray for you? Are you hearing me? Can I, can I tell you what one of the greatest American curses is? the garage door opener. Can I tell you, it's I'll keep everything outside as long as I keep everything inside safe. Since when is, you know you go to other parts of our world, they don't have garage doors. And by the way, if you're a garage door salesman, I'm not trying to mess up your business. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to help you understand the first thing that you do when you get home. Hey, babe, did you close the garage door? You know what you're telling everybody? We don't want what's outside to come inside. And listen, I'm not telling you don't protect. I'm not telling you don't have ADT. That's not what I'm saying. My point is it's a mindset that what's outside is bad and what's inside is good. So I want to protect, from the, protect what's inside from the outside. And if you will spin that out further out, it will ripple into not knowing my neighbors, not knowing those in my street. Are you hearing me? So where are they? Well, they're not far from you. They're not far. I, I know my neighbors. I just, they're, they're, they may be in the service, so I don't want to yell them out. Psalm says this. The Lord directs the steps of the godly and he delights in every detail of their lives. Do you? 
Do you, do, you, do you know what your neighbor does for a living? Do you, do you know what the, the person across the street does? Do you know what they're struggling with? Do you know if they can afford? Do you know what school? Do you know? 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 Do, do you know? Have you gone? Are you going? Are you going? Are you going? Are you going? Well, no. Well, we'll start going. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs. The Bible says that God plans, our, man plans our ways, but God orders every step. You got called to move into that neighborhood, but it's not so that you can have that square footage and that three-car garage and that corner lot. It's so that you can minister to the person on your left, your right, and across the street. You're so concerned about the seat you're sitting in and having to walk down this long. You know how many complaints we've got about these six rows right here? Oh, dear God, I don't, and here's what happens. No offense. Everybody sits on the outside row, and then people come in, and they're like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I can get over in the middle. I, don't, I just don't know. I'm going to squeeze through people, <laughs> right? I know we're recording this message. My stepfather is the worst at that. He'll get, we'll be, the lights are doing something. Maybe it's the devil. I don't know. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, be at, we'll, be, we'll, be at, we'll be at a restaurant. And he'll sit on the corner while 19 people got to go down the shimmy through the thing. I'm like, and then you don't know, do you give him front or back? You just don't know. Like, what do you do? What does this have to do with the sermon? Nothing. It has nothing to do with the sermon. Get off your rabbit trails. We got lunch. So here's what I want you to do. In order to change our world, you need to connect rather than just, just keep correcting. We're way too concerned with correcting rather than connecting. Here's the second one. Number two. So where are they? Where are they? Where are the people? Where are the going people you gotta find? And then open our eyes to who they are. Who are they? Have you named them? Have you written them down? Are they in your prayer journal? Who are they? Who are the people that need Jesus? Well, those are Democrats. I don't talk to them. Well, those are Republicans. I don't talk to them. Well, they've got a Biden sticker. They've got a Trump flag. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do they have blood? Yeah. Are they, are, are they an eternal being? Yeah. Okay. Then who cares how they vote? Let's just get them to heaven. We're way more concerned with the 70 years on this planet. Heaven, 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 heaven. You know what I'd hate? You know what I'd hate? I'd hate to hear a microphone into hell and hear the screaming that happens in hell up to people in heaven, angry at them because the people in hell said, you in heaven never told me about Jesus. You were way more concerned about how I voted rather than my eternal soul. Matthew 9 says this. I think if the keys come out, I'll move quicker. I'm not sure, but it could possibly happen that way. When he saw the crowds, this is Jesus. When he saw, what I want you to see is that word see, saw. When he saw the crowds, when he looked, when he sees them, it caused him to be messed up. It messed up Jesus when he saw what he needed to see. He had compassion on them because it's like we're so bent out of shape with everything that's happening in our world and I've just realized that this gender identity and this voting thing and this homosexuality thing, all that's going on in our world, if we would just love the sheep 
because they're in need of a shepherd, maybe we could give them grace and then somewhere along the line, we could have a conversation about their lifestyle. Like if we would just realize that they are a sheep lost in this broken, crazy, silly, dumb world. And all that they need is a shepherd, a father, a mother to wrap their arms around them. Not to just not tell them. You gotta tell them that their lifestyle is wrong. But it does not need to be the first conversation. They're a sheep in need of a shepherd. Can I just tell you, one of my, I'm a 42-year-old man, and you will say the same thing if you're around my age. One of my favorite things to look back on, seriously to look back on, is the correction that I got from my parents. You know what it said to me? That they loved me. They saw something. I needed correction. I needed correction. You need correction. So the Good Samaritan story. So this Good Samaritan, he's, he's uh, uh, this, this guy, he's dead, half dead on the side of the road. Da, 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 da. I'm trying to get to this quickly. Half dead on the side of the road. These three people walk past him. And here's what we know, is that the thief saw a victim that he could exploit, stole from him, did he not? Remember that story? Then there was a priest or a pastor, he worked for a church, and he saw the victim, but oh my gosh, I don't wanna see that. If I don't see it, then I'll have to deal with it, I'll just avoid it. But there was a good Samaritan and he did the opposite. And the good Samaritan saw the victim as a person that could be loved. So let me say this to somebody. This is gonna offend you, but it's just the truth. This is what I want us to get as we lean into Serve Weekend. To change our world, we don't have to be like them, but we do have to like them. I've heard for years people say, well, I don't have to like you, I just have to love you. No, that's an excuse. They're the same thing. It's just cutesy Instagram and Twitter stuff to put, well, I don't have to like you, but I love you. No, it's both. Liking is loving and loving is liking. You have to love them, but you don't have to love their behavior. And I think where there's been a dividing line is, I, I don't like your behavior, so I don't like you. Or I don't love your behavior, so I don't love you. No, no, listen to me. You are required. It is a command from God to present yourself as a worthy sacrifice in this great commission ministry. God's called you to do it. God's called you to do it. I'll never forget, I invited my neighbor, he's to my left, I'll leave him nameless right now, but he's to my left and it was right before Easter. And I said, hey man, I'd love for you to come to our Easter service. Now he has not come. I don't know if he'll ever come. And he basically, I got enough church growing up and I'm a good person and I don't need, and so now I'm beginning the conversations, helping him understand being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. I mean, my man, I don't think three words come out of his mouth unless a swear word comes out of his mouth. But I don't correct his swearing because I wanna get his heart. Because if I can get his heart, if I can get his heart, he also wants to teach me how to do my grass. And God's been convicting me on that. Maybe that's the window into getting him to receive Jesus. Because I said to him a couple months ago, no, I don't need your help, bro. I'm good. By the way, my grass looks better than yours. I didn't say that to him. I thought it, but I didn't say it to him. But then I was convicted. I thought maybe, maybe that's the window into connecting with him. He can teach me all the things he knows about the grass. Are you following me? You have to think differently. Here's the third one and final one. Keys are out and I'm done. Open your eyes to what, we, what they need. What do they need? Can I tell you, somebody who's living in a compromising lifestyle that you don't agree with, can I tell you what they need? A friend. They don't need you to condone a sin, they just need a friend. 
can I tell you, if I told you what, I got a text this morning. I'm a part of a, a, an advisory board from, for the uh, Door of Hope. I got a text this morning, Pinellas, Pasco, and Hillsborough County, all three counties. And last night, Saturday night, last night, there were nine, six, either 627 or 927, I can't remember. 627 or 927 boys and girls under the age of 18 that did not have a home to sleep in last night. If I sent you that text, it would mess you up so bad that you would be required by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. I gotta get these kids in my home so they can learn what it means to be fathered and mothered. Can I tell you that if one, church, one family in every church fostered or adopted, we would eradicate the homelessness in our world, in our country. But the more you know, it causes you to act. And if we don't know, then we don't have to act. John 1, 14 says this, and then I'm almost done. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of mercy. So remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man, the wee little man was he, he climbed up down a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted. Remember that? Come on, Baptist Flanagram people. Come on, you remember those days? Let me leave you hanging up here. Come on, somebody. But what did Jesus say when Zacchaeus came down? What did you say? Zacchaeus, come down here for what? For I'm going, come on, going to your house today. Come on, remember that day? Flanagraph, little Zach. He was what? A wee little man. Preaching way better than you're responding. <laughs> Notice Jesus never addressed the fact that he was a politician thief, a lawyer thief, a tax collector thief. He stole from everybody. Jesus never addressed it. Jesus went into his house and had lunch with him. We don't know what was said at this lunch. We just know something happened truth-wise because when he came out, he gave back four times what was stolen. So don't tell me Jesus is all grace and no truth or all truth and no grace. He was both. How about the woman who was caught in adultery? Jesus, Jesus, here she is. She's a prostitute. Do something. Kill her. Hurt her. Tell her how bad she is. And all Jesus said was this. He who has no sin, cast that first stone. And then Jesus did this. Nobody's, nobody's there. They gone. He showed grace. But then what does he say? Don't miss the truth part. What did he say? Stop screwing up. Don't sin anymore. Did he not say that? Go and sin no more. You know what he said? Just marry the dude. Settle down. Do it the right way. There's a better way than to make money that lifestyle. Jesus is grace and he's truth. You will never, you will never, you will never be able to minister the right way until you like the right way. You have to like the right way. To change our world, we need to show people the same kind of love that God showed us. You know what that love was? Unconditional love. So no matter what, all right. I've said you five times I'm ending. This sixth time I'm really ending. Really ending. Because I think the problem is this. I think for many of us, the reason why you don't love the way that Jesus loves is because you've not received God's love the right way. You've not viewed God's love the right way. I don't have time to go into a lot of detail, but years ago I read a John Maxwell book and the John Maxwell arguably one of the greatest evangelists to walk this planet. You just wouldn't know him that way because he's the business guy. 
But he, every time he would do something, he would do a presentation. Here's how to do money. Here's how to do leadership. Here's how to lead your business the right way. He would do leadership. And he would end everyone by saying this. Hey guys, um, if you wanna know about my faith, we're gonna be done, we're dismissed, we're done. But if you want to, in about 20 minutes, come back and I'm just gonna share my story of faith with you. He said that about 80% would come back and hear his story and he would present this thing every time, John Maxwell. And he would talk about the way that everybody views God through the lens of love. And here's what he would say. Let me just give it to you, Andy. He says this, so many people view God as a locked gate. And the view is this, God can't be reached. I don't know the code. I don't know the alarm. The gate's too high. I can't get over. I see, I see how excited, I see how rich it is. I see how beautiful it is. I see how blessed they are over there, but I'll never, ever, ever be able to get on the other side. It's unattainable and I'll never get over there. And many people view God that way. The second is that you view yourself as a garbage can. God doesn't want me, I'm too divorced, I'm too broken, I'm too addicted, I'm too much of a screw up, I've failed too many times, I'm too widowed, I'm too single, I'm too this, I'm too without, I'm too, you, I'm too of fill in the blank. God doesn't love me as much as he loves them. God can't use me as much as he can use them because they are fill in the blank. And your view is God doesn't want me. So how can you share the love of the going unless you've received the love? Here's the third one is he says this, John Maxwell says this, is a lot of people think that God is like an unending ladder. God, God requires so much to get up that ring. It's so much and I gotta know how much scripture and I gotta live the right way and not say any four letter words and I can't do drugs and I can't drink and I can't cuss and I can't watch R-rated movies and you fill in the blank. I'll never get it, I'll never do it. You gotta be this and you gotta be that. And I look at that ladder and I'm on ring three and I'm like, I'll never get there. So I'm not even gonna try. But there's a fourth way to view God's love and that is to re receive it as a free gift. It's a free gift. This is the one and only way to receive God's love. And at some point in your life, you received God's love as a free gift. Knowing that he didn't require anything from you, he wanted to give everything to you. And you received Jesus' love, and so does that person. So the question is, what are you gonna do with a message like this? In just a minute, you're gonna have an opportunity to sign up for our Serve Day weekend. And you're gonna have an opportunity to cancel whatever you have planned next Saturday. And I would encourage you that it could be the best canceling you could possibly cancel. Because we're gonna be doing landscaping for a widow's house. We're actually this RV right out here. Do you see this RV right out here when he pulled up? You're like, is that pastor's new RV? No, it ain't. But there's a single guy that goes to our church who has three kids lives, his surroundings are horrible. We bought this RV, you bought this RV for him and we're gonna go put it on a place so he can raise his kids the right way in an environment. We has an oven and a stove where every one of his kids have a bed. You did that, not me. You did it. We did it. You're gonna have an opportunity to serve. Do you see the way that Jesus sees? Let me pray for you. Father, we love you, we worship you, we honor you. God, you are so good and you are so incredible. You are so amazing. Such an honor to be your kids. I would ask you a question with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed and with nobody looking around. How many of you in this room would say, you know what? I don't know if I've given my life to Jesus. I don't know if I've done that. My view of God is the unending ladder. My view of God is the garbage can. 
My, my view of God is I'll never be able to get on the other side of that gate. It's locked. I've tried to put the code in and the code just doesn't work. Everybody tells me what the code is, but I can't get the door open. And today you're realizing maybe for the first time that his love is a free gift and you're seeing it correctly. And if you've never received Jesus' love, I wanna encourage you to pray something like this. Say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me. Come on, tell him this, heal my brokenness. I receive what you did on the cross. I thank you for heaven, my home. I thank you for the resurrection from the dead that you did. I thank you for the empty tomb. Be my savior and be my Lord. I give you all of my sin and I receive salvation. Now with your head bowed, with your eyes closed, with nobody looking, how many of you would admit, just be honest, and admit you prayed that prayer. You prayed that prayer. You gave your life to Jesus just right now for the very first time. How many of you would say that? Just lift up a real tall. Awesome, awesome, awesome. See you. So good. Several of you in this service. Anybody else? Gave my life to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, perfect. Yeah. Anybody else? Multiple, see you. Proud of you. Proud of you. Great job. Greatest decision you'll ever make. Anybody else? Anybody? So good. Hey, would you put your hands together? celebrate that several people in this service gave their lives to Jesus. Come on, would you do that? So beautiful. So here's what I want you to do. Would you stand? Would you stand? We're going to go into a time of response. Church is not over. Church is not over. This is the most important part of our whole service. This is not the time to go get your kids. This is not the time to get your car started. This is the time to zero in on what God has called you to do. This is the time. So I'm going to invite our prayer team up here. We're going to open up the stations. Maybe you need to come forward and light a candle. So what in the world are these candles for? The candles are not for a dead person. These candles are for somebody who's very much alive on the outside, on the outside but they're dead on the inside. They're far away from Jesus. And you're gonna light this candle saying, I want the light of Jesus to be in this person's life. Maybe you need to come to the cross and just put something that you've carried for way too long and put it back on that cross and say, Jesus, I'm giving this back to you. Maybe you need to come forward and take communion. Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. Take it with your family, your friend. This is an opportunity for you to respond. So I would encourage you to do that. Father, we love you. As the worship team leads us, I pray that we would surrender it all to you. Help us to see correctly in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about Wellspring Community Church, visit our website at wellspringfl.com. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend services. We'll see you in the next episode.